You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your OR Joe Choa. He is your 75, two time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and hopefully ready for another edition of Tony's Trivia Time. The one and only Tony Casillas, TC. What up? Happy Tuesday, my man. Everything is well here in uh, my neck of the woods. How about yours? It's going well. It's all good. It's getting warmer, uh, thankfully. Um, I don't, I can't decide if I feel like the year is flying by or just moving at normal speed. How do you feel? It's flying by. You think and so? I, I, and I say this because of the perspective of, as I get older, you know, you're still in your prime, but it seems to me that the one thing that I will, I'll, that is generational to generations, you'll tell your kids, I told my kids, my my parents told me, uh, your parents told you is that don't get in a hurry for time to, to get any older because as soon as you have kids, it just flies by. So the answer to your question is yes. I, I can definitely relate to that, brother. Yeah, well, it just um, we're in the middle of April now, and so we're almost a third of the way done with 2021. I um I was thinking about this. I don't ever really write. Like I don't I don't write things. Like I anything I you know any message I need to send or whatever is like an email or, or Slack message or something on the computer. Um, but so um when you when you're like a kid and you're writing a lot and you're in school or whatever, it takes forever to like get used to the new year, right? Like you're always accidentally mm-hmm. writing the old year when you're writing dates and stuff. Have you, are you still, are you past that yet? Are you still writing 20 at any time? I, I made a cognizant decision to not do that. Uh, I, I would like to go back to 20, you know, 2015 or 2016. Definitely would like a mulligan for 2020, but that's, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. It has started off better, but yeah, I, I think that that happens a lot. And especially if, I don't, does anybody use checks anymore? I mean, I use checks every once in a while. I'll really? date something. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I see that's the different generation. I mean, there's some things that you have to, uh, you know, write checks on and there's some companies sure. that are old school, believe it or not, more of the service industry that they either take cash or take a check and say, don't you have Venmo? I'm like, you know, that's the, the older generation. <laughs> like what's well, Venmo? I'm like, well, it, Never mind. But, and I think the Venmo too, to me, there's no way that I can escape uh, paying a wager, sending oh, kids sure. money to my kids. There's no way now an electronic deal. But yeah, when you said really, you're like, yeah, because, because I know you, when's the last time you wrote, you wrote a check? Man, um, I mean, I haven't written that many checks in my life, just generally. Um, but how many of this generation now, and I'm, and I'm talking about the, the generation Xers or whatever we're going to call them now. How many kids actually know how to that have that, that have checks? Um, and I'm saying as you get 
I would say, you know, over 21 and you get into your more early professional years. How many actually in my gen, my, I know my kids generation can actually write the, 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 the correct amount number wise on a check. That's a great question. That is a great question. And I think you would stump maybe like anybody under the age of 25 um, right now, like, like anybody, anybody who can't rent a car right now, doesn't know how to write a check. I agree with That's that. That's true. Uh, um, but like, I mean, how much, how much is, how much is a stamp? That's another thing that really, when that happens to me, I don't know about you, but how much is postal service? I mean, can anyone tell me, can you tell me right now, RJ, how much does it cost to go and buy one? I cannot. Uh, my wife is the one that the general. She buys the books, at, at, you know, exactly. whenever we, we buy it. Um, I was thinking, like, I don't. I mean, I don't know how we got here, but early on. But I was thinking about this. I drove past um, the movie theater in our town, and mm -hmm. it's you know, like growing up, I would go there. And I was thinking about this in the sense that, like, when I was like 13, 14 years mm -hmm. old, my friends and I would go to the movies, and I was thinking, like, it is amazing that we were able to coordinate. You know, like we're all going to be there like at seven o'clock, whatever. And we were all able to talk to our parents or whoever to, to give us a ride. And like it was all able and like mm -hmm. we were all able to get there and find each other. And all of that happened without cell phones. And like I'm not I, I'm not trying to like be like, wow, like time has changed whatever. Like it, that's amazing to me, given that I I hate this about myself. I can be late to a lot of things. And so like now with all of the tools and, and like levels of technology, I'm late, even though my 13 year old self was so like on top of crap, like getting stuff organized. Yeah, I know people that I tell them to get there 30 minutes before we're actually supposed to get there. So I actually get there on time. Uh, but you, know, you mentioned I, I miss the movie theaters. That's the one thing mm. that I miss Tuesday matinees. And but that's enough of that. We got a lot of things to get sure. into, including the draft coming up, including players wanting to pick their custom-made numbers, which to me, I think it's kind of reminded me. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know, it's it's uh, almost like going like high schoolers because all of a sudden we're like, okay, I want to pick my number out. I want to get number one. I'm going to get two. But Anyway, that's something we're going to get into. I thought it was quite interesting when you brought that up today for our, for our show. Well, so last week when we recorded, we had a whole rundown. We were going to talk about the draft, but it was right after Jalen Smith had posted that he wanted to wear number nine. If if the NFL, because this is still not official, but it seems like <laughs> it's going to be that the NFL is soon going to allow linebackers, running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs to wear numbers in the single digits. They're going to also loosen the rules for defensive linemen, but uh, no single digits. There. So I get Sorry. my pop Warner number I wore when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Right. Now, I, <laughs> I, I can totally get behind the fact that the dudes have attachments to certain numbers. They've worn certain numbers their whole lives, or they have emotional connections to them. Like that all makes sense to me. And we really, you know, we really talked about Jalen wanting number nine and kind of not being aware of obviously Tony Romo and things like that. But that was like the tip of the iceberg, dude. Last week was weird. I mean, Jalen Smith came out, wanted to wear number nine. Um, shortly after that, CD Lamb came out and, and just kind of shared an edit of himself 
himself wearing number two, which was his number as a suitor. Amari Cooper wants to wear number one. If I'm, if that's, I'm correct, that's the only one that I'm okay with personally. I hate this rule. Like I, I told you last week, I don't. I like wide receivers in the '80s. I hate the fact that they even wear numbers in the teens now. But Amari wearing number one is the only one that, like, when I first saw that, I thought, man, that would look badass. That's the only one. Um, and I, I think the the Cowboys were just. At, it got to a point where they were like having fun with it and just kind of trolling people. Um, but I do think that we are going to see a lot of people across the NFL change. Uh, Peter King wrote last week that Jalen Ramsey really wants to wear number eight, which is what he wore at Florida state. And so like, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I think it's, it's a way for obviously the NFL to make more money, right? Like all the J- the new Jalen Ramsey, like th- think about this. Think if you're a Rams fan for a second, they traded for Jalen Ramsey two years ago. So maybe you bought his Jersey then. Then last year, they got new uniforms. So maybe you say, well, let me get a new Jalen Ramsey jersey, even though it's the same number or whatever. And now this year, he's going to change numbers. So maybe if you're a devoted Jalen Ramsey, Los Angeles Rams fan, it's possible that you might have needed to buy three different jerseys in three years because of all the changes that are happening. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a weird time that we're living in in that sense. Well, here's what I and I, and I thought about this. It's all about making money. Because now, all of a sudden, all those jerseys that all those players wore that will continue wearing the same number. And I don't think every, anyone, everyone's going to deflect. I think it's going to be more the skill players. It, and I don't know how it's going to wear. Even the quarterbacks, I don't know the quarterbacks really change. I would, but I would love to see a quarterback wear number 99. Wouldn't that be great to all of a sudden wear a 99 at quarterback? Hey, that's a big fella, Warren Sapp's number, Rain Gretzky, the great one, or whatever. I I, yeah, I'd have to think about that. But when you think about it, all of a sudden, if they pass this, where, as you mentioned, it looks like they, they will, all of a sudden, people are going to have to go out and buy different jerseys. Totally. Because there's going to be an influx of all these different jersey numbers, and they're all going to be at the pro shop, and everyone's going to run out and buy want to buy the first number one, number one Amari Cooper, Cooper jersey. Or if you have CeeDee Lame, or if you mentioned Jalen Ramsey, people are going to go out and buy that. So, all of a sudden, there's going to be this influx of people buying more jerseys. So I think while I think it's great for the players to go back to what they wore high school, college and have this, uh, you know, this history of what the jersey they wore, whatever it may be, the NFL is going to monetize this, brother. Oh, you're, I mean, we're just talking jerseys, but think like, I mean, action figures, posters, the new, <laughs> and th- this is something I, I've reached the point now with this where I truly don't understand. NFL always has a motive, man. It's not right. I, I, it's uh, always a motive. Have, I, I'm going to ask: Have you have your kids gotten into the NFT stuff, the trading, the digital trading cards? No, they haven't. That's that. I have no clue how any of that works. But like, my point is like, that's a new thing too. Like, that's another thing to make money off of. I mean, you could basically but, use someone else's video or whatever you roll the highlight of a player. I mean, my my son and I is so funny because I had all these co- uh, all these cards. I mean, I'm talking about. I probably have a thousand, about 2000 old cards up in my attic. And my son was home. We started looking at these cards to see if there's any, you know, anything. These are your, these are your cards that were yours. Okay. So it it would be like a pro set, like uh, upper deck produced like 500 card set back in 1992 or 91 or 90. And they sent the player, all the set of 500 cards of all the players Uh. that were in that, particular years so which brought us back to what your point about 
what people are trade now. It was a NFT. Just an NFT? NFT. Yeah, NFT. Yeah. And it's basically videos, correct? Like yeah, the they're, highlights they're, of They're like players. digital cards, right? Right, right. Which is, which you can, I guess you, if you use that, you can make money off of it. It's almost like owning a licensing for that. But right. I, I don't know. It's just, it's again, it's, it's, it's like the Bitcoin of, uh, of trading cards. So I hold on. I don't know. You just kind of glossed over something I find fascinating. So you're in the mid nineties. You're a badass, awesome NFL player winning Super Bowls, whatever, joking about Leon Lett doing all his stuff. And, and so they make trading cards of you, right? So you have, you have you, you have like the Tony Casillas cards, but, but they also, they send you like the set that you're in. So they give you like, Hey, Tony, thanks for being like one of our cards. Here are all of the cards that are in existence. That is so cool. Holy crap. Well, what I'm going to do is I don't, we're just doing our, our podcast audio, but this is, I'm showing you the box of, can you see the Holy box? Holy crap. The, that's yeah, awesome. So, so it's an upper deck, 19, I believe this is 90, 92. It's the upper deck and it has, you open it up and it has, you can see this RJ. Wow. has the whole sick. edition of all the players. So if you pull them out, I mean, I, and these players don't even – and we got a – there's players that you – know, I was looking for some rookie cards because that's the value of that. But, uh, yeah, so it has – so I need to go back in my attic. And, unfortunately, I wish I was a little younger because wouldn't it be great to go up there and have, like, a Tom Brady card or maybe a Brett Favre rookie card or something like that? You know, you watch all these different shows right. of people, like, going up in their attic or buying something at a garage sale and buy, you know, paying $5 and it's worth three thousand right so i know no, my son sense. that's what he's done but i know we're getting off track but i'm just saying that's the this right here the upper deck what i just showed you that was the nft of the i would say and, and i think cards are coming back but oh, it's dude. amazing how many of those damn cards i had in my attic that i've been sitting there for years I agree with you completely. We're about to get to the draft, but um, <laughs> I, I talked about this on a different show on the network a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Uh, yeah. my, my parents are cleaning out like their stuff too in the attic, whatever. And so like, this is another like sign of getting older. You reach the point where your parents say, here's all your crap that we've been like holding for you. So like, <laughs> you know, they said, here's all your crap, come get it. So I went and got it and I've been going through it, you know, like bin by bin, whatever on different weekends. And uh, I found my old Pokemon cards from when I was a kid, right? Like, or I think it's mm-hmm. I, people pronounce it differently, whatever. Anyway, um, so I tweeted about this, right? Like, oh, cool. Like, here are my yeah, Pokemon cards. Yeah. And, and now I got all these like people that were like, dude, you got to sell this. And so I've been looking into it. So I'm pretty pumped to sell it because th- this is a, a slight difference with Pokemon. I mean, sports cards will never not be valuable. But uh, apparently this is like the 25-year anniversary of Pokemon. So um, it's just, just a nice time to find it. So look at, uh, look at us. We're just putting together the 750 card hey, factory. Adding dollars right there. That's what you, you know, that's what I say. And, and, and I, I think, you know, for me, man, I'm always don't want to get rid of stuff. I mean, I'm like a, not a hoarder, but I will hold on to things. Oh, for and, sure. And uh, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, the, the cards, it's, it's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I'm still going to have to look for something with a lot of value. Right we'll see. Okay. So um, Kyle Pitts, I don't know if you know this, Tony, he is the name that generates the most, um, the most discourse among Cowboys fans. Obviously, he's an incredible tight end for the University of Florida. I'm obligated to say that Texas A&M beat Florida last year. No big deal. Um, but um, anyway, uh, incredible tight end. 
And it seems like most logic suggests that he is going to be gone by the time the Cowboys pick. However, it is the NFL draft. Anything can happen. And so whenever you mention this, there are people who are super for this in terms of being Dallas Cowboys fans. And there are people who are super against this. Um, Jerry Jones, it was revealed last week. Chris Mortensen talked about Jerry's reportedly infatuated with Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who isn't. Um, and uh, we're recording on Tuesday. On Monday, Kyle Pitts was on the Rich Eisen show, and he said that he has spoken with the Dallas Cowboys, and he has spoken with Jerry Jones specifically. Uh, he noted that his family is uh, is from Philadelphia, so they're all Philadelphia Eagles fans. It'd be really funny, obviously, if he ended up as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. But um, I, there is not a prospect that, that generates – more divisive opinions than Kyle Pitts. Where do you fall? Are you for this or against it? If he falls to number 10, I don't think anybody wants to trade up, but if he fell to number 10, well, is it going to be the rendition of the the 2020 draft when they draft it when CD lamb? Yeah. That's what it would have to be. And I don't think, I think Atlanta is wants to, is wants to trade the pick with Miami, the number four pick. And there's looks to me, there's going to be like the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. And right. Look, I feel the same way. The dude is an athletic phenom. I, you watch him work out. He's big. Unfortunately, I get the same in the, in the Cotton Bowl when, when OU throttled Florida because I don't think their whole team was uh, right. was setting out that game. But the guys, are, without a doubt, he's one of the best athletes in the draft. And I think it's hard not to get excited about that. Uh, but I think that the, the sand pad, I don't think it's going to be something where they trade for him or anything like right. that. But – I think that he just needs to really consider what he already has and what he needs. And, and look, you're talking about Jerry, you're talking about Jerry needs to consider this. I'll talk about Jerry, Jerry Jones. Yeah. Whenever they, when it, when it comes to their pick, um, then he needs to just stand pat on that and really just think about, well, this guy's a tremendous athlete. He's probably a can't miss prospect, but there's some other things I need to address. And if there is a quality uh, defensive back or a quality defensive player that can really make an impact that ever they've done our research. And that's what you got to do, or maybe even trade. The, I, I don't know. It, I, I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be, he, he's not going to be there, but it's worth talking about. And I think that that's what it has generated, generated right. this infatuated uh, Jerry Jones. It's a, it's, it's very sensual for him when he sees a football sensual when he, when he sees someone like Kyle Pitts, but I just think that if you if you look what happened last year and you look at what they need this year, uh, a tight end that is really athletic is not what they need right now. And I mean, I go back and forth. I mean, if it's someone, <laughs> if it's if he's there, then you consider it. But I hope someone's there to just like hold on, you know, grab him. Like, dude, we need to look at our other options. So here's where I fall on this. Um, it's not their most pressing need. But it's also not not a need, right? Because when you consider that, even if you do believe in Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, just talking about the tight end position here, uh, Blake Jarwin's coming off a torn ACL. No clue how that's going to go, obviously. Dalton Schultz, for all his contributions last year, is in a contract year. We know the Cowboys don't like to give second contracts unless it's it's a you know cornerstone player. Um, and Michael Gallup's in a contract year. So we're likely looking at a Cowboys team that a year from now doesn't have Michael Gallup, doesn't have Dalton Schultz. And so, you know, 
you put Kyle Pitts there and suddenly your offensive, you know, abilities aren't hindered when Michael Gallup leaves in free agency. So you, you do have that as, as justification, if you want to call it that, um, of course their needs are on the defensive side of the ball. I think the only defensive players that are worth taking with the 10th overall pick are the two corners, Patrick Sertan and JC Horn. Um, you could also make an argument for offensive tackle, obviously being a need. And so that's where Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater are obviously the, the top two dudes there. So I think, I think we can isolate this to those five guys, right? <clears throat> it's got, it's gotta be one of those five players for the Cowboys. And, and there's a, a level of logic to support any of those directions they go in. I do think that that's that Kyle Pitts is probably the best player that the, if, if you're putting odds on them to become hall of famers, Kyle Pitts has the best odds of those five players. That's just, you know, and part of it's the nature of, of the game now, whatever, but if, if the Cowboys walk away with any of those five players, it's a win. Um, and so we could grade the quality of the win. Um, and so obviously, you know, Kyle Pitts would be a certain type of win. Um, I don't put like, I wrote about it this obviously, but I don't put a lot of stock into the fact that he's spoken to the Cowboys or to Jerry Jones. Cause I mean, like he's, it's, it's the draft season, right? Like he's talking to every team. He's, he's one of the best players in the class. The Cowboys have a top 10 pick. It makes perfect sense for them to talk to him. Um, you know what I mean? Like it would be stupid of the Cowboys to not talk to him, but I do think it would be irresponsible of them if he was on the board to, to not really, really, really consider it. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, you, you have to look it. Sometimes it's, unless it's a, you know, the quarterback position, that's a neat position. You know, we look at the, the first three teams in the national, in the, in the draft, they all need quarterbacks. And it looks, there's going to be three probably quarterbacks going to first three picks. And then after that, it's, yeah, you know, after that, it's a question slotted. mark. Yeah. And so I, while I, while I don't like to, a lot of people say, well, you don't draft a, a the position that you need. I'm like, well, yes, you do. There's there's I mean, a level of it. Yeah, there's a level involved. It's not not a factor. Well, I I, I, I agree. I, I disagree with that because I just know during the draft. I mean, there's different positions where there's a player that you're you're locked in on, and that's a neat position. It's a cornerback, whether it's an offensive lineman that you talked about. Those are the first, the neat positions are in line. And so whatever falls in place or players available, that's the, that's the player that you evaluate that you think that you really can make you become a better, a better team offensively, defensively. That's the target position. But um, yeah, but I, I, as far as looking at, I mean, if the guy's there, which he's not going to be, uh, I don't think that uh, I mean, I, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's good. And as you mentioned, all these teams interview players, the top prospects, they want to understand them. I mean, it's part of the, uh, the uh, I would say, the protocol and what normalcy of what you do to evaluate people. And so, and it's good conversation. I mean, we're talking about it. Everybody talks about it nationally. How, you know, this is a, you know, crazy Jerry or not crazy, but just crazy to think that that's what he, he needs to address when you look at what happened, how bad they were on defense. That's where you got to really address your issues. Right. I think in a, in a perfect world, the best available player is, is your top need. That's a perfect world. Um, It doesn't always end up that way. Sometimes you say, well, the the best overall player, like in CD Lamb's case is a wide receiver. And last year that was a need for the Cowboys. It wasn't their top need, but it made sense, which is why they did it. And so Kyle Pitts would, would support that logic, but I get it. I get that people want to see a defensive player taken. And I think, I really think the Cowboys are, are in a very, very prominent situation overall, because 
we know the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks, right? Jacksonville, New York, and San Francisco are all taking quarterbacks. It remains to be seen what will happen at number four with the team that they took you in the first round in Atlanta. Will they take a quarterback? Will they take Kyle Pitts? Will they trade out to a team that wants a fourth quarterback? But it, the more quarterbacks that go, the better. Or I, I can make that argument either way because if all five quarterbacks go, if you want to call it that, uh, if you're talking Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and mm-hmm. um, I'm forgetting Mac Jones, um, mm-hmm. if all five go, well, if there's only nine picks before the Cowboys pick, that means only four non-quarterbacks are, are being taken. Ver- but the other side of that coin is if if a quarterback falls, then then he's the last dude, right? Like he's the last quarterback. So whether it's the Bears or it's somebody else that wants that quarterback you're a spot that they could trade up to. Uh, Mel Kuyper, Tony, uh, I told you this before we started recording. I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to check this out, but on Tuesday morning, he released his latest mock draft, and in it, he has the Cowboys moving back. Um, and so I don't, this, this might upset some people, but I think overall this is a huge win. Uh, he has them moving back from 10 to 15 with the New England Patriots who are jumping up to take Mac, or not uh, Mac Jones, uh, Justin Fields, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And um, because I think the Niners took Mac Jones in this mock. But anyway, the New England Patriots come up. The Cowboys move back five spots. And at the time of this particular mock draft, Rashawn Slater's gone, I believe. But one of the tackles is still left. Patrick Sertan is still left. And J.C. Horn is still left. Kyle Pitts had gone long before the Cowboys were on the clock. But the point is, so if you're the Cowboys and you've got multiple players who are still on the board for you, it makes sense to trade back. And in the process, they picked up in this particular mock draft a 2022 first-round pick, and they still took J.C. Horn with the 15th overall pick. A lot of people think J.C. is the top corner in the draft. Obviously, people believe Patrick Sertan is. But so in this exercise, the Cowboys picked up a starting cornerback and a future first-round pick. I don't know how that wouldn't make everybody feel really happy on night one. Only It's a tremendous value for them. And if especially if you back, if you – if you you're only moving five spots and you're getting you're getting what you need, and that's a that's a corner, and even at the whole notion of maybe getting an offensive tackle, because I think that sooner or later they're going to have to look at that. This has got to be an offense where you, you without you know Tyrone Smith, which to me, and then you, you look at the uh, you know Leo Collins, those guys will be back this year, and it looks like that they'll hopefully they'll be full speed at the beginning of the season, but you got to look at the future in that. But, uh, you know, for me, I think offensively, what do you do? You've just paid a guy $40 million a year to be your franchise quarterback. You want to be able to protect him. So, but I think that the, that theory that Mel Kuyper, uh, his mock, and I love these mock drafts and it seems to me they, a lot of, sometimes they get blown up with some different decisions that play the teams make, but you know, that would be a good scenario for the Cowboys. I mean, you, it, the value that you have in your pick, and you only move back five spots and you get to address something that you really need. And then you get a future first round draft pick. I mean, that's, I mean, that to me, I think a lot of people understand the business aspect of that. Hopefully. I agree. And the, the player that they take in this mock draft is JC Horn. And a lot of people love him. Um, but again, at the time they traded back again, we're talking about Mel Kuyper's mock specifically Patrick Sertan was still on the board, although he wound up going to the Philadelphia Eagles, which would suck. Um, and Rashawn Slater, the Northwestern tackle still on the board, although he wound up going to the Los Angeles chargers. So the point here is that if you walk away with any of those three players, whether it's Sertan Slater or horn, it's still a win. Like you're, you're still getting a, 
it, Slater wouldn't be a day one starter, but he would be an investment in the future. Obviously the offensive line, which is important given your investment in Dak Prescott and Tyron Smith and all that stuff. But if you walk away with any of those three dudes and a future first round pick, that would be awesome. I, I don't know how you wouldn't feel just like filled with joy about that. Um, and so it's if I don't know you said you love the mock drafts Tony I don't know if you've been reading every single one but most mock drafts have the Cowboys taking Patrick Sertan the corner mm-hmm. from Alabama that, that's uh, who I like I, I I've always uh, I always like the players uh, I mean Alabama I mean I, I with the Trayvon Diggs I think it'd be a great addition and you know maybe you can experience with those guys you know just not a corner but just you know the playmaking ability of him and I, mean, I, I think the that is position you have growing pains. And I think with the Kyle Pitts is a lot more sexy because look, as you meant, we mentioned earlier, the dude is fast. He can strong. He can, right. people have a hard time covering a guy like that. Linebacker cannot, or safety has a hard time covering someone like him. So it's a position that doesn't show up right away. That, oh yeah. This guy is the reason why we drafted him uh, because of, uh, you know, because we needed a, a defensive help. It doesn't show up because it's more of a maturation. There's more of a adjusting to covering these wide receivers, different looks in the National Football League. So Kyle Pitts would be a, a lot easier the decision and something you'd see right away. But in all actuality, the whole the, the premise of this is to be able to address that. And I I, I really like watching Patrick Chatain play. I think the dude has got a great skill set. He's a smart player. Uh and obviously comes from a team uh, in, a, in, a, in Alabama and the SEC where they know how to cover and they know how to play defense. I agree with you. I mean, it, if the Cowboys just take him at 10, it's still a win. And so that's why, like, you can come up with a number of different scenarios where things work out really well for the Cowboys. That's what happens when you have a top 10 pick. I mean, you're, you're going to walk away ideally with something that you really like, especially in this particular draft where the first nine picks are all likely going to be offense. And so you're going to have if, – if if you're somebody who's really focused on, I want the Cowboys to get defensive help, I don't want Kyle Pitts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's going to be a way for them to either get the defensive help you want or an investment in the, the offensive line by way of one of the tackles in Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And it's not a it's not a draft that is rich in defensive linemen. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks uh, – a lot of you know defensive backs that can help, but it's not really rich in defensive linemen this year like that right. like it has in the past. So um last thing, Tony, before we get out of here, uh, we're making trivia time a new thing. Aaron yep. Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy, so NFL, you know, nice job, by the way. He's oh, a, I agree. Uh, He's been great. Um, so we quizzed you on some number related things uh, from your playing days uh, last week. Mm-hmm. So I have a new one for you, a new set of okay. ones rather. Okay, um, I'll study for it. Let's go. All right. You were the second overall pick in the 1986 NFL draft. Everybody knows that. Uh, the Cowboys Behind have the 10. Jackson. Right. Well, you, okay. So you got that one. Uh, but before we do the top 10, the Cowboys obviously have the 10th overall pick this year. Who was the 10th overall pick in the 1986 NFL draft? Oh gosh. Um, okay, it was me. It was. It was. Uh, was it Chuck Long? It was not. He went twelfth. Um, man, you stumped me. I, I have no idea who was it. It was a running back. It's your first clue. Obviously, it wasn't Bo oh. Jackson. Oh, um, played for the New Orleans Saints. 
Um, might have, but he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I, uh, Keith Byers. That's correct. Look at you. All right. So uh, <laughs> thanks for the clues. You yeah. know, if you give me a, at least, I at least get one clue. Right. It has been a long ass time ago, right? So I at least get one clue. And I'm not sitting in front of my computer like you with all the stats and good right. on it, right? Okay. So I want to see if you can fill out the top 10. So now you know who went number 10. Full disclosure, there is no, nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Tony's my, not my, cheating. My, I'm not cheating. So you have all the information. Okay. Um, next so, question. okay. I want to fill out the top 10. You know, number one, you know, number 10, both running backs and Bo Jackson and Keith Byers. You went number two. You got to nail the team here, too. So you can't just get the player. Who went number three right after you? Jim Everett, Los Angeles Rams. Incorrect. Um, it was Jim Everett, but you've got the team wrong. Uh, Los Angeles. Jim Everett didn't get the Los Angeles Rams. It wasn't the actually. LA Rams? I, I'm sorry, you're correct. Uh, they I mean, tra- they <laughs> traded him, but he was the the drafting team was the Houston Oilers. But but okay, so you bad. get credit. You get credit. Um, that's my bad. No, okay. I, I, I don't know what the transactions were, but I knew he was up with the Rams. And everyone's bitching because they, they took a nose tackle, defensive tackle, and they didn't take they didn't take Jim Everett. Right. Okay. So you're um I guess three for three so far, kind yeah, of. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. Uh number four after Jim Everett. Oh gosh. Uh, Your first clue, looks- fellow defensive lineman. Not defensive tackle, but defensive lineman. Um oh Leslie O'Neill. That is incorrect. He that is a top ten pick, Leslie O'Neill. So that's a future clue. Uh, uh, John John Hand. Okay, and who took him? Fourth overall. Uh, Baltimore Colts at the time. That is correct. No, yeah, wait, they were Indianapolis already at that. Point. Oh, they were Indianapolis. Yeah, they left three years earlier. All right, well, I don't feel that old then. Okay, the Indianapolis. All Colts, right, cool. So you're you're still good. Uh, number still- <laughs> number five. Number five would be, uh, I just, um, um, oh, Leslie O'Neill, number no. fifth pick. Again, you're still, you, you hold on to him for, for a little bit. That's, again, a future clue, but uh, it was not him. It was a linebacker. Um, the only no. linebacker taken in the top Shane, 10. Shane Conlon? No. He was taken by the St. Louis Cardinals. I know you say you didn't feel old about the Baltimore Colts, but no, 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 that's that's old. <laughs> uh, gosh, linebacker. That's one I, I don't have familiarity with. I it's, I'm drawing a blank. Who was it? Anthony Bell. Okay, well, out of uh, Michigan State. So. Yeah, it didn't ring a bell. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, number six. This was a guard. Uh, Jim Dombrowski. To who? New Orleans Saints. Look at that. And for bonus points, what school? University of Virginia. That's correct. Look at you, Tony. Okay. Hey, how about that? <laughs> no Google. Uh, <laughs> number seven, another guard. Oh, uh, you're going to get me on this one. I know that uh, – which conference? Give me that clue. Um, he, you're saying which NFL conference? Uh, the AFC. No, no, which – no, just which 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 college conference? Oh, um, well, now it's the Big Twelve. I guess that's kind of a clue. Uh, offensive guard. It is very close proximity-wise to where Jim Dombrowski went to school. 
to give you another clue. Oh, it's the University of West Virginia, and I know he's, he's a big – Brian Josriat? Jos- That's correct. To which team? Which NFL team? Um, I'm going to say Buffalo Bills. That is incorrect. You had a cup of coffee with them yourself, I guess is your other clue. Oh, we went to uh, the uh, – Kansas City Chiefs. That's correct. Okay. We're, we're getting through this together. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you this one. Um, number eight is Leslie O'Neill, but I will ask who took him. That dude and- should be, by the way, should be in the pro football fame. That dude was a lot better rookie. Uh, his career, especially his rookie year, the, the dude had, I think he ended up having like 11. He's rookie of the year his first year. Had like 11, over 11 sacks. That is anyway. that is correct. Um, I mean, not not on the nose, but he had 12 and a half sacks his Something rookie like year. Yeah, um, he's a baller. Right. And then he missed the 1987 season uh, due to an injured knee. He only had four sacks in 1988, so his first year back. But after that, um, and he's listed as a right outside linebacker, so obviously, you know, moved around a little bit. Uh, so is, but- it close, is, he, is, he, is he, does he have, do you have the stats or does he have close to 100 career sacks? So on his career, he has well over a hundred career sacks. He yeah. um, he has a hundred thirty-two and a half sacks. And to your point, that's amazing. Uh, so he should be, you know, he, he should consider the Pro Football Hall of Fame without a doubt. Agreed. So for, like starting in nineteen eighty-nine, which was technically y'all's fourth year in the NFL, uh, twelve and a half sacks, thirteen and a half sacks, a down year where he had nine. In nineteen ninety-two, he had seventeen sacks. Holy crap! Uh, 12 and 93, 12 and a half and 94, 12 and a half and 95, and then seven and 96 uh, when he changed teams. I wonder yeah, if- I think, I think, I think along with uh, Derek Thomas, the great, the late Kansas City Chiefs, I think Derek had like six or maybe six sacks in one game. And I think Leslie had maybe five. The only two. two guys. Yeah. The only two guys that ever done that. He's and Derek Thomas was an amazing player. He just was gone too soon. Agreed. Uh, for bonus points, uh, the team, the school that Leslie O'Neill came out of and the NFL team that drafted him. Uh, that would be Diet Oklahoma, also known as <laughs> Oklahoma State University. Right. Right. And that would be the San Diego Chargers. I And I, I probably, I believe that's probably what keeps him out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that he played for the Chargers in the, you know, early to mid Yeah, but look at the stats he put up. I, I mean, know, but, ridiculous. No, but nobody cared about the Chargers then. You know what I, I mean? I get that, RJ, but... No, I'm not saying all... he shouldn't be in. I'm saying that's why he doesn't get the, the talk. It's because he was on a quiet team. Well, I know, but someone needs to get on his public... You know, needs to be on his public relations team and start putting stuff on social media that the guy... No one, no one should be out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame that has over almost 140 career sacks. I agree with it's you. Ridiculous. Okay, last one here, uh, number nine overall, because you got Keith Byers at ten. So who was the ninth overall pick right after Leslie O'Neill before Keith Byers? Um, that's going to be it's a quarterback, right? Incorrect. Uh, it is another guard. There were two guards taken before him, so he was the third guard off the board. God, we did have a lot. That that's that's a crazy talking about. I mean, who drafts an offensive guard these days? I mean, that's think about it in the first round. I mean, there hasn't been too many offensive guards taken in the first round. Um, I'm gonna need a clue. Um, okay, your clue. You want the school? How about the school? He went to Temple. Oh, 
I know who the I know who he is, but I'm drawing a blank on him. The, um, I'll give you the NFL team that drafted him uh, were the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, uh, okay. I, I I I can as soon as you say the what's this? Give me his first name, John. <laughs> That's not going to do it. I think you, you, I think the last name I think the last name is pronounced Ryanstra. Um, John Ryanstra from Temple, drafted by the Pittsburgh Ryanstra, Steelers. I, I I remember who he was. I remember him playing, and uh, but yeah, I I do not know that. I did not realize. But hey, I did okay. You did. I did not realize that your draft class, 1986, was the, the same year that Charles Haley was drafted. I, friend of the show, James, James Madison. Wow. Um, look, what? I think it, look how that that worked that worked out. What worked pick, out pretty good for Charles. What pick was okay. he overall? was probably was he a ninth round pick he was not he was a fourth round pick okay fourth round but uh i would i'm gonna say he was the san francisco that year they had he was probably because 49ers are pretty good so i'm gonna say he was the 25th pick in the draft he was the 96th overall pick but I'm okay. 96. That's what I meant. I was trying right. to think of the third round. That would be, yeah. No. Yeah. 96. Yeah. You're right. Like he was 25th uh, around that point in that spot, round. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Look at you next week. We'll yeah. see if this, you did better today than you did last week when we did all the numbers and stuff like that. So, well, yeah. I appreciate that. I, the, the reference and the clues, you did good. You did good, Aaron. And Thank you, you, you educated you a lot of people. You educated a lot of people on Leslie O'Neill. People need to know about it. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to just all of a sudden start that campaign because I didn't. I, I threw that number out there. I, I knew he had a lot of stacks, but I didn't realize he had that many. And I never hear him his name mentioned. You know, I think he's been nominated, right? But I mean, the dude's a long overdue. It's just hard to get in. I mean, even a guy with that many sacks is sitting there and still not in. But hey, I'm going to do better each week. That's going to be my goal each week to get better uh, for for Tony's trivia. Well done. All right, Tony. Well, that about does it for the latest episode of the 750. We hope everybody enjoyed it. Congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama on winning the Masters. That was yeah, awesome. That was um, awesome. So I'm um, looking forward to some more golf stuff as the season continues to roll on. Everybody have a good week. This was the 750.